Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, so, Bud, looking back, uh, we'll do a little bit of a review of the Clemson game. Talk more, just kind of broadly, as to where you are seven games in. Won your first four, lost your X3. Always good to uh, get a nice little swing of emotions throughout the course of a college football season. Um, always want to thank Tarpon Sellers and Louisiana Hot Sauce, title sponsors of the Nolcast. TarponSellers.com is the website. Nolcast is 20% off on the coupon code. And, uh, Bud, let's uh, uh, just two guys, as you said, two guys that have done this for a while and followed this and covered this program for decade and a half or so, and we'll give you all our uh, best ideas to what we've seen and, and maybe more importantly to y'all, what we're going to see uh, over the next five games. Yeah, man, let's let's do this thing. So FSU sits at four and three. Um, I really didn't get a chance to weigh in on the Clemson game because you handled the instant beautifully, I thought. Uh, we are not a podcast that's going to yell and scream when something that we expect to happen happens unless there's something that you really could have done to avoid it. And mid-season, I don't really think there was much you could have done to avoid losing to Clemson. Now, you could have avoided maybe some of the things that happened in the game, potentially, uh, but there are alternative ways that game could play out that maybe they don't sound quite as good, right? So, who knows? Clemson's a better team than you are. They're better at most every position. I'm not really sure how many guys you have on this Knowles roster who would start for those guys? Maybe a couple, but not 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 a whole lot. And right? I'm not like, sure any of them are healthy right now, or at least 100. So. percent Like, are they, are they taking your receivers? I mean, Pittman might get some run there. If Wilson actually played big and caught the ball consistently, he might. But Jordan's not starting over DJ. They'd probably find a place for Rob Scott now that he's healthy. Gibbons, I think you could argue. Verse and Lovett wouldn't start, but they'd be heavily in the rotation. Uh, and that's if healthy, yeah, quite sure. a, quite a compliment for uh, for the other people that they have on that roster. But other than that, and uh, no, at linebacker, I don't. I mean, you might you got two guys that would see snaps, but and we like the linebackers. We here, do, we do. But that's a different level of linebacker there. So I'm not really feeling bad, and obviously nobody in your secondary. We'll <laughs> we'll probably have to talk about that secondary uh, coming up. But it's not was, new. Uh, that was covered in the instant as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I saw a couple things I liked. Right, you you were able to run the football at times in that game when teams were playing you to prevent explosive plays, which is something that we discussed over the last few weeks. That because of how explosive play dependent you were, teams were going to try to play you more te- more too deep looks and force you to run them out of it. And you know, to be honest, at times FSU was able to do so. And that's encouraging because I know Clemson is still working back through all these things. They're just getting all these new pieces back, and these guys are still kind of learning to play within that defense, et cetera, et cetera. I still like that you're able to kind of run on them a little bit. That's that's encouraging to me. So, you know, bravo there. Uh, yeah, so not not a terrible performance, one that I think we kind of expected. And it's not one that should sink you. Hopefully that locker room didn't. You want them to have a belief they can win, but you don't want them to have such a, a belief that it's like, okay, now the season is toast because you didn't beat Clemson, and now you're mathematically eliminated from winning the conference, basically, which you are at this point. So, I, I 
you just kind of hope they can bounce back and that they, they realize that there are some realistic goals. And I, I know all these guys in the preseason were talking about going undefeated and, and you know, making it to the playoff and all this stuff, which is which was never realistic. Uh, but a bowl game this, is a nice this year's Florida State team going undefeated. Oh, on social media, yeah, all, okay. all, all the kids. This is the same reason why you don't trust injury and you know, injury updates from kids, right? Because they don't they don't seem to give accurate information a lot of times, right? Uh, this is a okay football team. When it's healthy, I think it's actually a, a pretty decent football team. When it's not healthy, it's just a straight ass average. Yep. Uh, if you want to be optimistic, I think if this team's healthy, it's a top 18 to top 28 team in the country. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think a, so. pretty, pretty darn good compared to where you've been over the past two and a half years. Right. So that's the real positive. Uh, there are some moments tonight where we're not going to be overly negative, but there, you know, there's some interesting things to look at and some of the further ramifications of them. But um, yeah, as the team improved, all, all those general kind of macro thirty thousand foot issues. Yeah, uh, there's also some you know some concerning things when you drill down and what ultimately uh, that's going to mean. So um, yeah, I, I'd rewatch the Clemson game. I, I don't really have a whole lot to add. You know, it 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 is what it is, and it was what it was. Uh, and what stood out to me, unfortunately, in the live watch uh, from a negative perspective. I didn't see much that kind of changed my mind as I watched parts of that for a second and third time. So I think that's fair. Uh, so we, we had a couple of questions about why FSU's defense is all of a sudden bad in the red zone. And these are from our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nolcast. If you guys want to hit those, hit those dudes up, check them out. Really appreciate y'all going over there. Patreon.com slash Nolcast. And man, this is not a new phenomenon. If somebody's telling you that all of a sudden this defense is just, all of a sudden poor in the red zone, uh, that's that's not accurate. They've actually been struggling in the red zone and specifically in terms of allowing scoring opportunities to be converted into touchdowns for about five games now, okay? That's something that – this is why we've been calling them for, what, a month? The bend and break defense? If you guys have heard that term, that's what we mean. They're not bend but don't break. They're bend and break. They break. I think a lot of this, to be honest, is coaching. I don't think FSU's defensive coaching is very good right now, especially in the back end. You are pretty predictable in your coverages. You don't play zone well. You have to play a lot of man. You're trying to play a lot, a lot of too deep stuff to protect your corners, who I understand were not as healthy this preseason and continuing into the season somewhat, as you had hoped. But, man, I mean, there's – this has been an issue for for over a month now. You allow touchdowns at a very high rate. You part of that too is probably your defensive injuries up front, right? To where you're not able to, to body people in the red zone as much, but you don't pass guys off very well. You're not able to really play zone. You got to play man. You don't press well. Your technique's not good. I again, I mean, we said this a couple weeks ago. I don't really think that the back end of this defense coaching staff. If Mike's going to make it here long term, I don't think these are the right guys for that, especially when you factor in the, the quality of recruiting that they're giving you with the quality of coaching that, that's being given right now, personally. 
Agree. I mean, I, I kind of soft played it in the instant because I don't think it's a great look to start talking about guys' job securities at 1230 at night after a loss or something like that. But, the you know, the results are You are, are 30 games in, though, to, to the regime. Definitely. Yeah. But I understand. Um, I, I we're, in, we're in complete agreement there. I, I don't want to waste people's time by saying, yep, I agree. You know, I mean, it is what it is. And it's just the results aren't... Um, yeah, uh, particularly in the back, you just like, you're not getting you're not developing. We've we've got a whole other conversation there, we, but we just accept that, that like we, we just we just say it like, like it's an accepted fact now that you can't play zone. What? Mm. Why? How many other teams can't play zone? You, you you can't play zone. Why is that? Is it a new scheme you're trying to stall? What? That's crazy to me. Yeah, and it's and it's simplistic talk, but when you can't. Play zone, you can't confuse anybody, you know? I mean, playing man is, is right. what it is. And there's a reason turnovers are, are partially luck. Turnovers are also created in the most most part by confusion. Um, there's a reason why this team turns the, the other team over as, as you know, less, uh, <laughs> as uh, as unfrequent as they do. And, and well, that is right. a large part of it. And, and because they... How many difficult throws do they actually force teams to make? You have a lot of open throws in, in the underneath areas uh, because they don't communicate very well and because they're easily picked because it, it's fairly easy to anticipate what they're going to run. Now, they've been more aggressive in recent weeks, I will say, but not to much success. Part of that is the corners getting exposed, and part of that is probably also on the coaching. When, when I see the vast majority of the defensive secondary not be as good as it was last year, what should I do? Blame four four players, or take a look at the guys who are in charge of coordinating them? To me, that answer is simple. We'll we'll see if Mike Norvell agrees. But uh, yeah, to your point on the turnovers, the other issue is is it's created confusion. But it's also how many tip balls do you pick off? Not many, because well, first of all, you got to tip them. But second of all, if a lot of times you have your back turned to the play because you're right. you're playing you're playing a lot of man coverage. And look, if you play good man coverage, that's like the premier coverage to play. I'm not going to complain about a team that plays great man coverage, but if you're playing man coverage because you're not able to teach zone because you you got you're not you see where I'm going with this? I I think I don't think that they're well coached on the back end, man. I really don't. I don't think there's a whole lot of conversation. I mean, they're they're clearly not. You can look at what happens when other teams get into the red zone and and I know this is a belabored point at this point, but tell me one Clemson touchdown. That's a hard, that's an effort for them. I mean, they walk in on his own read. They uh, get a very simple confusion and nobody covers a tight end. Uh, they hit a flea flicker or whatever. You know, that's just a little bit of a schoolyard play. The, the first touchdown they score, everything's easy. And uh, it's just stuff and stuff. So, um, uh, you, you tend to have things go south on defense in a like concentrated period of time. And, uh, you know, you've had runs of 27 and 28 on you at this point, And it's, uh, it, it's very tough. So, um, we have some positivity coming though about the defense, I think later on in the show. So don't, don't turn us off right now. I know that was kind of an opening negative thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just about done with this defensive coaching on, on the back end. 
We are. We we were both legitimately excited about some of the offensive things that you can take from Clemson, uh, about Jordan under center, and uh, we mentioned in the uh, preview that now it wasn't well that you might see the tight ends more frequently featured and some of the double tight looks that they created and what that meant. Particularly, it was interesting to see Clemson continue to play like two high safeties and some of that stuff, and that certainly helped some of the success that you had in the run game, but. Uh, a lot there that I think you can take away from and and build on and um, you know the the optimism of the offense is is somewhat balanced by some of the concern uh, that I think you can take away from the defense and at the same time acknowledge that just as we said in the first couple minutes you know a whole lot of talent uh, on Clemson's roster and and that obviously has to be factored into uh, to how you try to evaluate that but uh, defensively still a disappointing effort. No doubt about it. All right. Something that's not disappointing is the legendary team. Chad and Shannon, 844 FSU loan. It's 844 FSU loan. They do a tremendous job getting you your home loan. I've used them twice. What do we have? 500 NOLCAST members now? Or are we still? I think we're 400, right? Uh, We're two more closer after this week. And we're two more after the week previous. So, yeah. I mean, it just, uh, it's a... It's a slow burn with these guys, and that's beautiful. Uh, and it's a, a slow burn that is now contributing to Rising Spear. So another $500 contributed to our friends over there after another two loans closed. And uh, credit to Chad and Shannon for, one, being exceptional at what they do and kind of stars in their industry, but also finding a way to channel their passion and success in business into what they care about. And uh, Florida State football if you follow either of them on social media, you find out pretty quickly that that's what those guys care about deeply. And uh, kudos to them for uh, creating a uh, fantastic initiative to support uh, that of what we all love. And while we're sitting here listening and doing the Nolcast. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into this other issue, which is that FSU is not really scoring all that well when it gets in the red zone. So. FSU obviously points per scoring opportunity allowed 97th in the country. So don't like that. Uh, but FSU, on the other hand, points per its own scoring opportunity is 86th now through seven games. And we see a lot of this stuff and we see people say, hey, like FSU is winning the yards per play battle. That means they should have won the game. That is a component in winning a game. Yes, you want to win the yards per play battle. That means you are generally... You know, more efficient or more explosive than your opponent. But it is not the only component to winning a football game. And when I look at this, I'm seeing some consistent trends here. I look, I mean, the first one, man, is that you you don't have a kicker that you trust, and opponents seem to know that. And that's a real issue. So and I think you also saw this by some of the things Clemson did. And, I, and I'm not telling you that Clemson came into that game and said, hey, we're going to get run on and, you know, uh, Robert Scott's going to block our guys better in a manner that we think they can, et cetera. But this isn't just a Clemson issue. Defenses are not going to let you get over the top of them. There's a reason why Clemson was in a too high safety look and willing to experiment with how much success Florida State could establish on the run. And it is, and again, we're not being foolish here. Nobody's running into the huddle after kickoff and the defense coordinator is telling them, uh, just let Florida State gain 20 yards at a time. But what they are saying is don't let Florida State gain 68 yards. Nobody can get over the top on a defense. Uh, and you're not going to allow that if you're playing Florida State right now. You know they can't kick. So you want to just kind of absorb 
you want to bend and not break, and you want to get them into predictive situations. So whether that be that you let them get down uh, into the red zone and, well, three is more or less off the table. Uh, so then you try to turn it into red zone roulette and try to get them into a fourth down or third down. You know this team can't run in predictive run situations. You know that it is exceptionally hesitant to try to run to the right side of its offensive line on what I would label you know traditional run plays. Um, there are – I'm not discounting Florida State's offensive production by any means, but I am acknowledging that people are somewhat willing – to let you have drives on them because they know that you're very much going to struggle to finish drives. Correct. So there are a couple of things I want to add to this. Uh, through the first couple of games, FSU, their offense was very explosive, but not super efficient. And I think teams just looked at this and said, okay, to your point, we're not going to allow explosive plays. We will make them earn it. There are a couple of reasons why we don't think FSU can earn it. Number one is that, the offensive line slash tight ends. I think you should you should lump the tight ends in there at this point because they're they're I think they're just as bad as the offensive line as a position group. Probably worse. Uh, they don't block well. The offensive line, especially on the right side, turns a liability. Okay, Marie Smith's just okay. Meach has been all right at times, but also at times an issue. And and Scott's been hurt, and now he's back, which is very very helpful as you saw in the Clemson game. But FSU is still 97th in the country, I think, right? No, I wrote that down wrong. 121st in the nation in offensive line penalties against. So, And they are also uh, 97th in stuff rate allowed, which is where a run goes for two or fewer yards, not including like all the goal line stuff. What that tells me is that if I limit your really explosive plays, FSU, you aren't good enough you aren't disciplined enough you aren't strong enough to avoid making that killer mistake that knocks a drive off schedule now you may have a drive or two like you had to open up the game against clemson which they were fantastic and i thought clemson was caught off guard with some of the stuff fsu did they clearly saved a little bit of that in my opinion and they broke it out and i thought it was great but if you're clemson maybe you get away from some of that too deep if you want but i think you're still the mindset this team is not going to be able to consistently drive the ball on us without making some kind of killer mistake. Yep. And ultimately you saw FSU make those killer mistakes because that's what they've do. That's what they've done. Your first touchdown is from a explosive run play. And your second mm -hmm. touchdown is on fourth and a crazy athletic ex wrestler. I have to force that in uh play where DJ, I still don't know how DJ Lundy ends up getting in the end zone, but I'm just going to attribute that to a wrestler's kind of gyroscope and a balance. That's uh impressive, wrestler in. but that's go. where you are. I mean, that's you're, you're a couple of inches away from another empty drive and that's how you win the total yards battle. That's how you win some of the YPP battle and not have that translate over to the ultimate scoreboard. Oh, and another thing, because the defense doesn't get any turnovers, okay, and because it allows drives pretty consistently, like the defense does not allow a lot of explosive plays at all. It is just it's bend and break. If you start getting stops, I'll, I'll maybe I'll, I'll reinstitute the bend but don't break tag. But right now, this defense is bend and break. At the times that they do actually stop somebody, it is generally resulting in a punt after a couple of made first downs that is putting your offense in a usually a bad position. 
Now, we talked last game against NC State about how the offense put the defense in a bad spot, and it did at times, right? However, I mean, FSU's average starting field position on the year is inside its own 30. That's not very good. They actually move the ball pretty well to where the average field position depended by the defense this year is in the top half of college football. It's not that bad. But your offense is consistently backed up, which is one of the reasons, I think, why their yards per play performance is so drastically different than their actual point performance because they're getting a lot of open field to play with because you're starting so far back. Hmm. But this is not an offense that I think is great in the compressed area uh, because of some of the physicality issues. You get a little bit less space to play with, right? Jordan's not really a precise, accurate passer all the time. I feel like we're being too negative here. Like this is still a good football team. We're just, we're looking at some of these things that they, I think you can improve some of this stuff potentially, right? You, You need Wilson to play big consistently. I liked what we saw with Jordan's legs against Clemson quite a bit, right? Uh, I thought Toa Philly's actually improving as a runner, which is nice. They called some stuff for Benson. Blown and, away by what Toa Philly was able to do. Yeah. Uh, and very optimistic about what that kid continues to project uh, moving forward. And yes, we're being negative here. I, I want to say, man, the second drive, you go 93 yards and score on Clemson's on uh, defense. Yeah. And that, yeah, it got, got a little dicey there at the end, and DJ Lundy pulled it out. Never in a million years would I have predicted, what was that, a 13-play, 93-yard drive? Whatever it is. Right. It is incredibly impressive. And the second drive that's 92 yards or whatever, I don't put maybe as much stock in because of the game situation. But the second the second drive there, or the second touchdown scoring drive of the game is remarkable and not something that I thought you had in your bag. So uh, that's, that's very impressive and uh, needs to be noted. 100%. Uh- the other thing I'll point out here is that while it's not technically garbage time, FSU's offense is like at its absolute peak when it's down three scores. They're really good at that point. And you could tell me that maybe it's a sense of urgency from them or maybe the opponent's taking their foot off the gas. If not from a play-calling standpoint, it is just kind of natural to ease off when you've been whipping somebody for the first 40 minutes of the game. And then all of a sudden – you kind of think you you have it in hand if you make some adjustments uh, in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and they're able to score some more points. I, I think I'm not saying they're cooking the books here, but I think there's an element of that towards fakery. I mentioned this in the instant. It's there. There's somewhere in the Venn diagram of garbage time and still competitive football but uh, a little bit of a mental adjustment or whatever it's just human nature look when you're up uh 20 points and the other freaking 65 percent of the other team's fans have left and you know the state you just change the way you play a little bit so i I don't this is not the the hill that i want to die on but i I think it's no it's just different and i i personally think that there's a rather clear set of uh of evidence that points to this over the over the past couple of uh over the past year and a half or so but nonetheless um 
if there is reason for optimism, and there is reason for optimism, one, you just played your three toughest games. Two, this is the stretch of the season that even in the preview series we talked about if you were going to be successful, this is where you ultimately going to make some of your hay. Um, Fabian is back at practice. I mean, uh, you can see that. That's uh, that's clear. That is a guy that, by all accounts, is going to be ready for the Georgia Tech game. It appears, and if not Georgia Tech, certainly Miami. You would have to you'd have to think that. Um, your your wide receiver from from West Virginia, uh, right, appears to be practicing at a level that he has not previously. And again, if it's not Georgia Tech. Uh, I think that's probably Miami. Now, I have some concern working a wide receiver back into rotation and relationship with Jordan and all these things that haven't occurred because of that injury, but that's still a significant get uh, if you can get him back, and it certainly looks like he's more involved in a more active participant in practice. That's significant. Uh, Those are two real big additions, and obviously Fabian is kind of what this whole defense is, uh, I don't want to say built around, but certainly the starting point of it and can have as large of an impact on the overall level of play of the other 10 guys as, as anybody on that unit. 100% agree. Uh, and look, it's you're right. The defense is not built around Fabian Lovett. It is a lot better if you have multiple quality interior players. And think about all the guys in this defense who've been banged up. And Malcolm Ray and Farmer, and even though I don't think he's very good, Jackson has been dinged, right? Like, I don't think Jackson's that great, but he's not terrible all the time. And he, he's he's definitely been hurt. So you get Versa another week to heal up here. I want to see what Robert Scott does as, as he gets healthier. Maybe Meech gets a little bit healthier on, on the offensive line. Jordan continuing to get some treatment, right? There's a lot of guys who I think battled to come back for this three-game stretch and were not fully healthy for it. And I think you saw that. This is what we worried about after that heroic win against Louisville, but, but man, like that's a great win, but you got a lot of dudes who got pretty banged up in that game. Four and three is a real possibility. Get like, kind of get to shelter, get to the bye week, come back out. And to your point about love it, I think this is important for us to discuss. You got a lot of teams coming up that do not throw the ball very well. You have some teams coming up that, if you play this style, which we don't like very much right now, but maybe it's their best style to play of this really soft stuff and you sort of dare opponents to be accurate underneath on you, there is some chance that these opponents, which are a little more on your level and not on that kind of Clemson-Wake offensive level, don't do it or don't do it consistently. Or they, I don't have a whole lot of faith that you're going to not have open guys underneath but I do have some belief that some of these opposing quarterbacks will miss some of those guys underneath, especially if you're a little bit healthier, maybe you get a little bit better pressure on them, which by the way, FSU, their sack rate is high. Their pressure rate is bad relatively. I mean, they're 93rd in the country in pressure rate and 14th in sack rate. So they seem to get guys down at a, like, I know Knowles missed last game and, and that caused a, a, a touchdown, but uh, they, Hmm. That's Normally, an interesting, interesting yeah. split there. Uh, but it's a concerning split, right? Like, I'd rather have it be, hey, a lot of pressure, haven't got the sacks yet, sacks will come. Is the pressure going to come? Like, like sacks don't create pressure. Pressure creates sacks. So we'll see. I mean, but I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic that this defense can improve down the stretch just from pure health. 
And, uh, you know, I, you don't have too many other people on your interior that can make it second and 12. You know, I mean, Cooper is not uh, not that he's ever going to be like a disruptive force on the inside, but haven't really gotten the level of production that you have out of him. Uh, Love, it's just, you know, go back and watch the LSU game if you ever have any doubt as to the level of play and importance of Fabian Lovett. And uh, in many ways, it's stupid that you had to have that guy out on the field and, and get him injured in the manner they did, but whatever, that's, you know, water under the bridge at this point. So um want to thank our friends at Congruity. I don't have gotten the green light on this, but they do, I do know that they have uh, two new additions uh, that we're looking forward to announcing here. Uh, Matt Lewis is a fantastic guy to work with as uh, even more of our listeners are uh, are learning and I can't recommend him highly enough. Congruity HR is the website and uh, as I say frequently, if you would prefer a third party introduction, please feel free to email the Nolcast or reach out to me on Twitter, direct message, however it may be. Uh, that you can grab me and uh, more than willing to put you in touch with Matt. So congruityhr.com, whether it be payroll, uh, HR, however it is that your business can be run in a more optimized fashion, uh, Matt Lewis is the guy to help you do that. So a big thank you to them as always. So I don't know if we're going to have another show this week. Uh, Should we discuss some of these opponents coming up? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have seen... I think I've seen pretty much every snap Georgia Tech's taken this year. So uh can speak on them decently well. Um, and, you know, Miami is Miami, and we can rattle off the other three teams. But, yeah, Georgia Tech plays Thursday night, uh, if you're not otherwise familiar, against UVA. Great, great way for the ACC to put their best product out there on a national game. Um, I may actually try to get down to that and uh, see that. But, look, it's a um, – it's a team that I think will win tomorrow night, and that'll be a nice little turnabout for them since they let their coach go with wins over, what, Pitt, Duke, and potentially Virginia. Um, Jeff Sims is uh, a very interesting man, and, and this has been the case pretty much all year. If you watch him throw the ball 10 times, uh, there will be six throws that you question whether or not the guy can play the position at this level. Uh, there will be one or two throws that are kind of there and one or two throws that are, and by there, I mean, you know, just kind of average run of the mill plays and one or two throws that will just absolutely impress you. Uh, he is very streaky, uh, very hit or miss. Um, maybe not as fluid and explosive an athlete as, as you would have projected at a high school. I'm not knocking him. The guy's a nice athlete, but has never really embraced uh, being a runner at maybe the manner that Georgia tech fans thought he would be able to. Um, they do some interesting things in the run game, but overall they struggle to protect him in a significant manner. And if this defensive line is at all what we think we can, it can be with a week and a half rest and Fabian Lovett returning, uh, then you should see it pretty early. Now, obviously Georgia Tech's going to have a little bit of an extra rest playing tomorrow or playing Thursday night. Um, so that'll be interesting to see those teams match up, but in, in many ways, I think this week one game will give you a pretty good idea as to uh, as, as to what the next five looks like. Obviously, if it goes south, then we all need to have uh, conversations that we don't want to have. Uh, but, you know, Georgia Tech is a decent opponent, has a little bit of wind in its sails, but an opponent that, you know, Florida State should should beat by uh, by close to two scores, in my opinion. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, Georgia Tech, to me, looks like a team that has a 
pretty strong run game, especially because they, they, they do run Sims a lot. I mean, we, he went for 95 against Duke um, for the Georgia Tech Pitt game. He went for 81 uh, against Pitt, and that's you know that's with Pitt having 11 tackles for loss and four sacks. Georgia Tech has a poor run defense. Now, part of that is because they've played a really good set of run games. They've played, what, Clemson, Ole Miss, UCF, Pitt. I'm sure there's an option team in there that, that I just missed. But I do think they can be had in the run game. Uh, their pass defense is not that bad. But their pass offense is generally pretty inefficient, as you said. So, look, I think this is a team that you can play and say, hey, uh, can you hit all these underneath passes on us enough? We think we can score 30. Can you score 30? Now, they put up 23 on Duke in overtime. Duke's not a very good defense or a decent offense. They put up 26 on Pitt, but on 338 yards. That was a, a turnover-fueled thing. It was not really Georgia Tech being the better team. They were under five yards per play, and they were 5.6 against Duke. I don't think this offense is very good. Uh, I mean, it if you get if you get torched by this Georgia Tech offense, like the defensive staff should just walk to their cars, like they, they like not even go back in the building. Yep. that's just kind of how this breaks down. Now Georgia Tech's defense is kind of feisty, so especially since they fired Collins and, and put Brent Key in there, you'll need to create some explosives against these guys. Stay ahead of the chains with the run game that type of thing. But this is definitely your most winnable game left on the season. And I, I think you will be favored by double digits there, depending on what happens on Thursday night when they play UVA. Keep in mind, UVA is horrendous offensively. I mean, just terrible. Georgia Tech's more winnable than Louisiana, in your opinion? Um, Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, actually, like – Louisiana looked better. They, they went on the road and beat Marshall. The, the Woolridge kid playing for, for them is not that bad. But I still think physically they're not on the same level as the Knowles are. So they're kind of in the same ballpark. Like it, it, it'll probably be within within a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had to guess. Interesting. Okay. So this kind of lends itself, and we're not getting away from the opponent preview. In fact, we're very much staying with it. But um, – while we're doing this, we need to have a realistic conversation as the expectations. And I, I think, like, I talked to two people about this today that are just purely college football data people. They're not Knowles or Canes or whatever else. Both of them told me that two and threes is statistically likely as five and oh. Very, very similar probabilities on that. So if you're basing this on Florida State going five and oh, well, that, that's fine. You're, you can cheer and do whatever the hell you want to as a fan. I'm, who am I to tell you how to behave, act, or believe? But um, I think you're, you know, you just need to be aware as to the likelihood of that and that perhaps you're setting yourself up for disappointment, uh, even and four I, and one. I know. I, I think like five, and I think five and oh is, is just as likely as one and four, okay. not two and three. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Even, even more to the point that I'm, trying to poke you with like like one and like you know what what like what one and one and, like a going over seems really unlikely like that's probably a hundred to one shot you know one and four and five and oh are kind of equally likely to me mm, okay 
Yep. All right. Well, then because either you go the wrong way or or you go really, really right or really, really wrong. Like if you're going to go five and oh, you need to make some serious strides over this bye week. Otherwise, you go the wrong way. Like all these games are certainly losable. Like you're not going to be 20 something point favorites in these. Mm -hmm. If you're going the wrong way, I mean. Yep. So four and one. That even that is a and personally, I'd love to see you get to eight wins. Obviously, I mean that's understood. I'd love to see you get to nine wins. Hell, I'd love to see you nine in a bowl game. That's awesome. Um, that's tough. That is that is a tough place and a tough expectation uh, to have. Now, do you have a roster to do it? Could you get a couple favorable flips of the coin? Absolutely. But again, if that's your four and one or bust, then that that could be a tough five stretch five game stretch for you here. So. Uh, you have, in my opinion, you have to obviously have to get two, have to get bowl game eligible. Not even really going to entertain that conversation. You need to win three games here at a minimum. And you are at a point, and Bud and I have had differing opinions on the importance of these things over the years. But if there is any place in the college football world where winning a where winning a bowl game matters, it is when you're in this type of place as a coach and this type of place as a program. If you go three and two, and you win the bowl game, I ain't going to tell you that everything's great and that there's not going to be some uh, disappointing instant reaction podcast that we'll have after two regular season losses here. Uh, but that is a place that you can build and sell both internally to boosters and externally to recruits and potential uh, targets in the portal that will give you a little bit of uh, extra cachet as far as winning a bowl game uh, now. Do bowl games matter from your perspective, bud, and projecting year over year and evaluating rosters? No, they don't. But do they matter at this point in a program's trajectory and for a head coach that's trying to grab every ounce of footing in his uh, proverbial climb? Hell yeah, they do. Uh, and uh, this is one of the rare places in time where where they absolutely matter for this program. We, we actually talked about this on the phone the other day. I thought it was a great point you brought up, right? So to me, like, I strip bowl games out of my year-to-year -year projections because I don't think they matter in terms of like telling how good a team is or is not. But they matter to donors. They can probably matter to your like internal program momentum in terms of, of the buy-in and belief. Because if you were to make a bowl game uh, at seven and five and then lose it, and you finish seven and six. That's not real impressive. Now they don't matter for recruiting because of when they fall on the calendar. Now I really don't think they do. Like unless you're beating some really big name opponent, for instance, all, all these South Carolina fans were telling me in the off season that how good they were because they whipped North Carolina in the bowl game. Well, guess what? If they played tomorrow, North Carolina would be favored over South Carolina and it wouldn't be by a super small margin, in my opinion. Yeah. So, but South Carolina matter in recruiting as far yes, as like a kid deciding stuff. deciding to go to your school in three weeks from now. No, they don't. You're right. the The calendars change. Kids' decision is sped up. It's a whole different process. Do they matter in recruiting? That old uh, Jimbo in South Georgia is still fully behind you and willing to help you do the things that are necessary in recruiting. Uh, that that's the place where I believe they matter in recruiting right now. Totally, I I, I can I can agree with that. It, the first thing this team needs to do is make a bowl game. Man, if they could, if they could make it to a bowl by the Miami game, that would be just fantastic for these guys. Now, we'll see, right? Miami has a pretty good defensive line. They just held North Carolina to 35 points, which is pretty hard to do. And 
I don't know how well you'll block them down there. They also are probably getting Restrepo and George back by the time you roll in to play them. And that's November 5th. That's four weeks away now, or three weeks away, excuse me. But they are beatable, I think, if you play well. You're going to have to play well, though. Like Miami, I don't think you're a better team than Miami is. You're going to need your A game to beat them. They have some deficiencies, but they should be getting healthier just as you, if you were getting healthier. I agree, though. You have to make a bowl game. If you don't, then I mean, let's go back to the question we asked on signing day. Are we just playing out the string? Yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't make a bowl game, then that means you're going one and four. And yeah, uh, at that point, the string has uh, has all been played out, in my opinion. I, I certainly don't think that's going to happen. I, I think Florida State wins three at a minimum, uh, but it's it may be a bumpy, maybe a little bit of a bumpier ride than some would like in these final five games. I think it's like a, it's probably like an 80% chance, maybe higher, that they're somewhere between two and three and four and two down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of those outcomes are bowl game. I, I, I think the odds that you don't go to a bowl game are like 5%. You know, we'll see about Florida, right? Like some of these teams, man, I'm having a hard time projecting. What the hell do you make of Florida? Yeah. LSU scored struggled all year to figure out what Florida is. I mean, LSU scored touchdowns, I think, on its first seven drives of the game. And and none of them were short fields. They were just like between 60 and 85 yards each time. It was Mm -hmm. just it was incredible. Like we saw that LSU team, and it wasn't just FSU. Like Auburn made them look terrible, and Tennessee did. So who knows what's going on at Florida? I'm a little bit skeptical of Syracuse. To be honest, now I was buying on Syracuse. I actually took Syracuse last week for the you know for the show and whatnot because I don't think people correctly figured out just how big of a downgrade it was to play that quarterback that's not named Devin Leary. <laughs> but they got a whole lot of flags to beat Purdue. I looked on DraftKings or look ahead line. They're actually a home underdog to Notre Dame, which just lost mm. at home to Stanford. A lot of the advanced numbers don't think Syracuse is all that good, especially if you. I don't, you have to look at them and say, wait a second. Okay. Purdue was really banged up when they went and played them. Purdue was probably the right side there, and, and Syracuse won. They got to play NC State. Now, they moved the ball on NC State successfully, but I also think NC State was playing a little more aggressive than they do at times because they knew that their offense couldn't score. Virginia kind of gave them a game. Syracuse's run defense is pretty poor, so I'm, I'm a little thinking that maybe Syracuse could be had here. I'm not saying if it should be favored in the game, but they're not going to be huge underdogs, barring a lot of like unforeseen injuries, knock on wood. There's just a lot we don't know. But I don't think any of these teams that you're playing are a lot better than you. There's some chance that maybe three of the five are better than you are, but not by a ton, right? Like the the possible ranges here are like FSU is a good bit better. FSU is a little bit better. They're about the same. FSU is somewhat worse i don't think any of these teams what, maybe if miami wakes up like mallory or not mallory but tbd was playing better the last two weeks than, he, than he's been playing i guess there's some chance miami if they get these guys back all of a sudden are much better but i'm i'm still skeptical no charlie park is a group that we've never had to been skeptical about in fact i've always been uh, wildly fortunate to enjoy the support of matt thompson and the whole for the table restaurant group uh, charlie park is tallahassee's best rooftop bar and a place 
that Bud and I have loved since the day it opened its doors. So whether it be uh, Friday nights going up there, grabbing cocktails, uh, overlooking Cascade Park uh, for their incredible grazing brunch that they put out on Sunday morning, uh, it is a fantastic place filled with a, uh, you know, we all have our own drink that we go to and judge a bar by or certain list of uh, liqueur. And when I walked in the door and saw what their scotch list looked like, I knew I was in the right place. And I would highly recommend uh, that you guys try them out. And when you do try them out, uh, I also recommend a reservation. So go to their website, uh, take a look at that, some great pictures and, and drone footage as well, and uh, make a reservation, whether it be for cocktails, uh, some of the food options that they have up there or it be the brunch that i referenced earlier so big thank you to them and as always uh thank you to matt thompson and his broader team at uh, for the table restaurant group absolutely all right so where else do you want to take this thing that i i kind of want to like i know we've been kind of negative tonight at times but these are just things that are recurring issues this year that i feel like even relative to your talent level could be better i will note that if you look at like the sp plus or fpi FSU's in the top 40. And in the preseason, we discussed this, right? You want to be a top 40-level team, hopefully higher, but that's at least a little starting point. And given some of the injuries you've had, we can say they're unlucky to be 4-3, and three, but also, like, I think you're pretty lucky that your backup quarterback came in and beat Louisville on the road with all the other injuries we just described. They're definitely improving, man. I think, Bud, if we were to go back uh, to Chica and you and I were to have a cocktail and I were to tell you that Florida State loses uh, two offensive linemen, potential starters, before it ever plays a competitive snap, and I know you lost one of them in the Duquesne game, but you know what I'm saying, y'all. Competitive uh, snap. If, if I right. tell you that uh, you're going to get the level of play from uh, from Duke uh, Cooper that you have, if I would tell you that you wouldn't have Fabian for pretty much the entirety of the year post the LSU game. Uh, look, I'm not trying to blow, blow sunshine up anybody's rear end here, but it, it, to an extent, four and three is also a testament as to the job done and the overall improvement of the program. When you look at the level of injuries that this team has had and the injuries sustained to its most impactful players, honestly, verse and love it may be your two best players on the roster. Uh, love it. You haven't had, like I said, for, since the last series of the LSU game and verse when you have had him has been a guy that's both nursing an injury and also trying to mentally uh, trust his, you know, his leg and body again. You should be five and two. That sucks. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat that the NC state game is going to stay with us for the entirety of the season. Uh, but you also have, have shown a significant. Yeah. You know, look again, I'm not trying to trying to say everything's great, uh, but four and three is a pretty impressive mark when you consider some of the hurdles and hills that uh, this team's had to come. Yeah. They, they've overcome some challenges. They could be better. They could be worse. I mean, this is, I don't think four and three is a really accurate represent, or I don't think it's misleading for how you've played and, and, and what you've had you know, happen to you. So you know, we'll see how the second half of the season goes. I mean, definitely your chan chance for the best season you've had in an over half decade. And I think most people are still still pretty encouraged by what they're seeing. The, the sequencing, we, we talked about sequencing a lot prior, uh, a couple of years ago. The sequencing of the wins here matters, right? If you had lost Louisville 
and then you beat NC State to where you don't have any back-to-back losses. Are you actually any better? No. Are you? Are, you see what I'm saying here? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, but but mentally, people are like, oh, three in a row, things are getting worse. No, you just happen to play the three best teams you're going to play all year, I think. In at the same time. Now, postseason Syracuse will be rated higher, I think, than NC State because NC State, I'm just not sure they can score, but. You guys get my point. Back when they had the quarterback, they're certainly, I think they're better than Q's with the QB. Uh, so it's not that bad of a team, man. Let's just enjoy enjoy the rest of the season and and see what, what comes of it. See what comes of it and just, uh, you know, beg, bar, steal, get to eight. That's what it is. And I'll even allow a bowl game at this point. Get to eight. Be the uh, – do well enough – Obviously, high school recruiting matters to an extent. Some of that book's already written. Do well enough that you can continue to market yourself as one of the premier portal destinations. I don't know that you're going to win like the five-star tackles or whatever. You know, I mean, that's still a tough place for Florida State uh, to conduct itself. But you see how, how Mims has been grading out this year, by the way? Uh, has has oh, I wasn't aware he had gotten too many grades. Has he been getting more snaps than? When I yeah, he's, looked in. he's played like 150 snaps. They're rotating him in a good bit. Okay, good. Um, good for him. He he actually uh, saw w- one of the guys today in, in, on Cover 3 uh, in the comment section, he's a big Georgia fan. He's like, hey, don't be surprised if Mims actually takes over the starting job. I was well, like, oh, okay, well. Yeah, if you want to feel even worse about how that went down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, look, get eight wins, and uh, I don't know that you're going to get the, uh, the Mims equivalency in this year's portal but be a attractive enough option to throw your hat in the ring. And uh, eight would certainly go a long way in doing that. Uh, is there anything else that uh, you want to talk about, or, or are we at the point where we can uh, thank our friends and, and review our uh, prize picks from the weekend before and maybe if any early things have jumped off to us? Yeah, man, let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that. I'll tell you what, bud. And this is just uh, maybe this is me just being a wanker, but I will tell you the benefits of having Prize Picks as a sponsor is that we get to do uh, fun conversations like this. But when I opened up the door and it was forty-two degrees, the Prize Pick uh, quarter zip was uh, was just perfect for me today. So that was great, great to get a little swag bag from those guys. And uh, thank you to all of you who have supported us and in, in our partnership with them. What did we have last week? I know we had a couple uh, couple wins. You, you had a pretty good week, right? I did. Uh, I played it pretty pretty slow uh, last week, actually. Okay. I think the suggested ones we went through into, so not our uh, our best performance. Um, we did well on the FSU ones, right? We did. The FSU ones, I think we talked, well, the Clemson kicker, uh, Jordan's fantasy. Um, I Wilson. Think- Wilson and I think uh did we suggest I did a Clemson podcast too where I suggested this but I think we suggested the ship uh running and receiving yard that was like 84 yeah, that, that was that, that was no cast his running his running number was 75 and his running and receiving was like 84 and a half so you could ba- you know it just that that made sense to me and I didn't realize that kid was gonna quite pop like he did but uh yeah so the the game suggestions went well um I will tell you that I've fallen into this like if I can't bet my whole stash on Friday night games and then, you know, recycle it, I just, I'm disappointed or something. <laughs> and I think there was only one game last Friday night. So I honestly, y'all, I, I filed one ticket. Also selfishly, I had like the best weekend I'm ever going to have the weekend before. And I just knew 
that you, you know, I wouldn't go go 11 for 11 again or whatever. So I, I was a little bit slow, but I'll, uh, I'll jump back in head first this weekend. Uh, stay tuned to the Twitter. We'll have some picks uh, for this weekend. Are, are the lines even up for the weekend games yet? There are, yeah, there were a couple out there. The one thing I will say from a Florida State perspective, y'all, I think the days of you getting Jordan fantasy starting or ending with a number that has teen in it is probably gone. Uh, I, I will be surprised as to what those numbers look like. But if he's going to continue to give you, you know, uh, 50 yards and a rushing touchdown, they are going to revisit uh, where they set those numbers. And for the most part, it's been somewhere between 16 and 19. And I'd be surprised if you see that again. Yeah, I I think I probably would as as well. Um, Friday night st- or, or Thursday night stuff. Mm, I don't I don't really have picks yet this this week. I, it's supposed to pour in that UCLA Oregon game, by the way. Like just terrible weather. So we'll, hmm. we'll see. Um, I'd probably go under on Quinshot uh, Junkins for Ole Miss. Okay. The freshman running back got got him at a got him at a hundred rushing yards. I I mean, look, I think he's a good, really good player, actually. But at the same time, it kind of makes me wonder: does LSU key on him more? Do they make somebody else, uh, you know, have, have to win for you there? We'll we'll see. Yeah, I don't know that there's really a whole lot. I was just looking at the Georgia Tech uh, Virginia numbers. Um, Mm, there's there's nothing that jumps out to me there, y'all. If there is, we'll put it on the Twitter account. But yeah, I love a good I love a good two shots at it, and maybe a Thursday Friday grouping, and then uh, get back Saturday morning and try to put some. Now I always try to play a ticket if I am going to be heavily participating, like the uh, the Ewers fantasy numbers the past couple weekends. As soon as I see those, I'll, I'll try to jump on them because I thought they would move a little bit. But uh, for the most part, you can still find some some interesting plays on Saturday morning. And as always, Nolcast is the coupon code for your 100% initial deposit match back. And if only I could have as much fun uh, with with prize picks uh, as <laughs> as all experiences in the sporting arena. But this has been a great time. So Awesome, buddy. Uh, let me see here. Probably Patreon show Monday and uh, figure something out there. Yep. Yeah, I look forward to that, and we'll have a full game preview as well, obviously, of the Georgia Tech game. And, uh, hey, look, this is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, cards are going to be out on the table. We're going to find out a whole hell of a lot about this program, uh, coaching staff, and general trajectory over the next five games, and uh, I look forward to it. Now, we had a very sober conversation at parts of this uh, tonight, but uh, you've got a team that can go out there and perform well, and it'll just be fun to see how this plays out. And as I said, I think the Georgia Tech game will be – uh, pretty damn instructive as to what the back half of the season looks like. I think we'll also uh, go and check the uh, maybe Snap. on on Monday or Tuesday we'll take a look at Snap Count Draft, yep. uh, just see where, where we stand on that. Uh, should be some really interesting results there, and then also check and see uh, what these future FSU opponents did before we we knock out the preview. So. I think we monopolized all of that in Georgia Tech conversation tonight. Although we did talk about right. Miami and Florida as well, but uh, such is life. All right, y'all, we've rambled here in the final two minutes, but thank you as always for your support. Uh, we'll be back here with you soon. And uh, for now, this has been the latest Nolcast. See you, buddy.